So Acts chapter 9, you ready? Man, I love y'all. What a great church. Um, I'm excited. Excited about a lot of things going on. I want to tell you a little bit of a story about a guy named Ananias. And maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. But I just want to take a little walk with this guy because he goes through something. And, and so rather than using my own story, I'm going to use Ananias' story. And I have no good way of abbreviating his name, so I have to say it the whole way every time. You know, An or Anan or no. So we're going to go with Ananias every time. Uh, but he's a, he's a guy, quite frankly, that without him, and I know God is sovereign, he can do what he wants. But without him, we may not have the guy we love to call the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. It is amazing how our relationships, even if it is a small one, even if it is just a, for a moment, can be the thing that turn the history of people. And most, most of these great men and women that you've seen over time, there was someone, there was, some, there was someone in their life who just for a moment helped turn their life in the direction that God wanted it to turn. And maybe that's, that's who we are sometimes, that person who's willing to uh, be there in a moment. And so if not for him, who knows where we'd be. At this point, where we're going to pick up is verse 10. At this point, Saul, who we later know as Paul, but at this moment is still Saul, is, is persecuting Christians. He's throwing them in prison. Uh, he, he's, he's allowing people to be beaten. He's, he, is, he is really out after the church. He does not believe in what Jesus has done. He does not believe that it should be allowed, that they have a very strict thing that they've got going on, a very strict club, and they are not allowing anybody else into it, and Jesus is messing with that. And so uh, Paul is on, or Saul, sorry, is on his way to uh, Damascus, and, and all of a sudden something shows up. And he gets blind, and Jesus begins to speak to him and said, why are you persecuting me? I love that Jesus uh, uh, identifies with us. I love that Jesus says, why are, you, why are you persecuting me? He doesn't say, why are you persecuting my followers? He said, why are you persecuting me? Because they are mine, and I am theirs. I am in relationship and covenant with them. And so Paul, Saul has this incredible moment where everything changes, and he goes into the city, and he's blind. Uh, that's, that, he's just blind. He can't see anything. And so he's in this house, and this is where we pick up in verse 10. So God has blinded Anan uh, sorry, Saul, uh, and Saul has gone into, and the guys around him don't know what's going on, so they take him into the city, they, they set him up in some house, he's just, he can't see, he doesn't know what's going on. And God shows up in another dude's house, a guy we just already established is named Ananias. And it says in verse 10, he says, there was a disciple there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. Getting a little redundant. You guys are like, okay, we get the name. There was a disciple. This is where it starts. There was a disciple. If you look that up, some of your translations might actually say there was a follower. Some might say a believer. I feel like that for us in our culture, we tend to hear that word differently uh, because believer, when they were writing this word believer, they would have written it as though what you said matched what you did. And so there was not, I believe this, but I don't live this. It was one in the same. And so I don't, I don't love the word believer in the Bible just because of how we interpret it, not necessarily because of how the writers wrote it. And, and so this idea of follower. So there was a follower. There was a follower. And, and, and here's the thing. Before we can go there, we have to be here. We have to be here in this place where we are a a follower, we're a believer, we're a, a, a disciple. That is the goal, is it not? That we would become disciples of Jesus. And, and so G God finds a disciple, he finds a believer, he finds a follower in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him, in a vision, Ananias. And he responds, he says, here I am. 
Now that's different than, yeah, I hear you. Right? You ever called a friend from uh, across the house or, or whatever, and you, or you called a family member, hey! Either, and, and, and they just kind of go, yeah! You're like, I wasn't saying that so I could keep yelling. How many of you, come on, be honest, how many of you have not heard them? Because you didn't want to hear them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? I'm partially deaf in my right ear. I've got a built-in excuse. I will sometimes intentionally lay on my left ear so I cannot hear. It's, what? It's, if y'all had it, you would do it too. Y'all are just mad you don't have the built-in advantage. And, 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 and so but he goes, hey, Ananias. And I love this. I love the phrase because the phrase does not speak to this idea that, hey, yeah, whoa. It's almost like here I am. Okay, you call my name. I'm here. It's almost as though he's saying, I'm ready for whatever you're about to say. Here I am. Whatever. And, he, and that's why you have to be identified as a follower, because if he says your name, are you willing to say, here I am, whatever's next? You can come out of your room and go, God, what do you want? I heard you call my name. I'm going to make a move towards you in that moment. Here I am. What's happening? And so God begins to say some things to him. It's dangerous sometimes to say, here I am. He says, get up and go. Get up and go to the street called straight. Get up and go to the street called straight. The Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man named Tarsus, from Tarsus. Now, I love what God's doing here. Has anyone ever described someone to you and they give you like 12 descriptors before they actually tell you who it was because they're just trying to make sure that you are ready for whatever is about to happen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like that person showed up at the party and someone comes to you and goes, okay, so there's someone here. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Brown hair, you know, they like floor outfits and they drive this kind of car and they're from this part of the city and yeah, just who is it? Yeah, yeah, but, and, uh, and, and then they drop the name. It's almost like God is like setting Ananias up. Like Ananias like, oh yeah, okay, so a guy from Tarsus, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over at this house, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on that street, sweet. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Um, his name is Saul. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I, I don't know, I think I heard you right. I think you messed up. God, you're crazy. So there's a man named Saul. And I want, he is praying, which had to have been a bit... It wouldn't have been that crazy for Ananias to hear that. It wasn't as though prayer did not exist in uh, uh, the Pharisees or Sadducees' life. But it was, it was, so it wouldn't have been crazy to hear that. But what he heard next would have been a little bit weird. Verse 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Which is like, Ananias is probably like, you couldn't have given, like, just a man? Like, in case someone else needed to do it? Um, you know, like, in case I decided to say no, um, there's a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so he can regain his sight. And this is where Ananias jumps in. He goes, okay, so Lord, I've heard about this guy named Saul. In fact, I've heard uh, from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints. I love how Ananias is putting it in God's court. Like, did you know he's hurt your people? I don't know if you knew that. You're God and all, but he's hurt your people. I, I don't think I can do this. He has the authority uh, hear from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. I've heard of him. 
Are there, are there any people that you're not willing to reach out to because you've heard some things? Because you have some ideas about how they are or who they are or who they hang with or what they've done or their past or whatever's going on. Have you, ever, have you ever been in that place where you won't drive down to that part of the city or you won't go into that place to hang out or you won't go to that cubicle just down the way or, or you won't go in that, the meeting room whenever that person's in the meeting room? Or you, you got, there's some, some people that you're not willing to go because you've heard some things. Y'all just looking at me like, no, mm -mm. I love Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that happens, right? That there's these impressions of people, and there's these assumptions about people, and, and even maybe there's a history with people, and then God is really not concerned with that, because God believes this about you as a follower. He believes that you take his word for people over other people's word of people. He believes that you believe in what he says about someone more than what someone else says about someone. People will come to me sometimes and go, hey, I'm going to introduce this guy, and I do this sometimes, and just so you know, this, this, is. and I'm like, no, 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 don't tell me all that because I don't want to have any weird thoughts about it when I go in and talk. I want to make up my own idea about this person. It, it is important for us to understand that what God believes about people is the same thing he believed about you when he gave his son for you. Is that yes, you've sinned. Yes, you've messed up. No, you will never be perfect until I do some really good work on you and just I'm going to save you regardless. And other people have the same value and have the same purpose. And it does not matter what has gone on in their life. I still love them, want them, and desire for you to reach them. Will you, and, and I'm sure Ananias is kind of like, yo, can we just do something from the window? Can I just show up at the door and knock and speak through the door? So then Casey goes, I'm arresting you. I have time to get away. I think the whole story has this element of being uncomfortable. For, for, for God to say to him, get up and go, means that he was seated and he was fine. He was good. Why do I have to get up? Anybody know what I'm talking about? When, when we sit down and one of them, and I, we'll sit down and we're ready to end the day. We'll just sit down and then one of us will go, oh, can you get me a water? <laughs> or something will happen and like both of us sit down and, and the remote's not in reach of either one of us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who's going to move? Can you get up? I don't know about you, but to go, sometimes you got to get up. And sometimes the issue is that we're not willing to get up out of whatever we are already in, out of whatever we are comfortable with, out of whatever we are dealing with, out of whatever uh, we have found to be good for us. And God is not asking Ananias to do something he wanted to do. He is asking Ananias to do something he did not want to do and was not going to be comfortable doing and was going to be actually just a bit dangerous to do. And that's what's hard about, honestly, following Jesus is loving people who can hurt us. It's great when everybody loves, but that doesn't always work. And sometimes people hurt you without meaning to hurt you. Sometimes people hurt you because they wanted to. And it's the hardest thing about following Jesus and, and following his example is that we would love people that might actually end up hurting us, that might actually cause us some pain, that might actually bring some pain into our world, and yet God is still calling us to love them. Uh, we might change some behavior, and there might be some things that are different, but the reality is, is that God would still call us, if he needed us, to go to their doorstep. 
and to walk in their door. And instead of doing it from the window or doing it from outside, uh, but to walk in and actually place your hands on their life, wherever they are and whatever they've done in the past, and be a healing, to, to be an answer to prayer. Is it possible that there's someone out there waiting for you to just go down the street? Waiting for you to just pick up that phone, waiting for you to send that text. You guys were here just a few weeks ago when Matt Mullen was sharing his story about the amount of people who had to reach out and say something for him to get something. Is it possible that there's someone out there just waiting for you to get up and go and reach out a hand even though maybe uh, they, they don't, look the part, or you don't always like them, or maybe they don't fit your view of what it should look. Maybe there's some people out there that are waiting for you. Because what I love about God is that he's really not doing this by himself. He really has never, even the last week when Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you go. They're looking at the resurrected Savior, like who could do some pretty cool things, and he's telling them to go and reach people and tell people everywhere about the good news. And here he is telling Ananias, hey, get up, and go. He does not do this by himself. He is preparing Ananias. He's preparing Saul. He is preparing these two to show up at the same place and find something in relationship and find something as they got close because they were closer to him. And when they met up, something was going to shift that we are in partnership with God to bring heaven to earth. That we are in partnership with God to go down the street or walk down the hallway at work or walk down our street in our neighborhood or go to that place that we always hang out in and, and actually begin to bring Jesus into those places. Because there's someone who's blind and cannot see, who is looking for some kind of hope, who is looking for some kind of joy, who's looking for some kind of faith in the midst of whatever's going on in their life. And they're just waiting for somebody to come down the street. Knock on the door and say, I heard you've been praying about something, and I'm a follower, so I'm just going to follow him wherever he takes me, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's dangerous, even when it might hurt me, even when it might cause me pain, even though it might mean I end up in prison like it very well could have for Ananias, but I'm a follower. I'm going to go where Jesus takes me. I'm going to go where he tells me to go. Wherever the Holy Spirit leads, I move and live and walk in him. And that will, I'm just telling you, that will put you in places you never thought you would be. But what if the miracle he wants to do in you is done through you when you show up in a place nobody ever thought you would show up and bring about life that nobody ever thought was possible? Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go. I love that he didn't answer the views of what other people thought of Saul. Don't you love that? He didn't sit there and debate. Well, yeah, but Joe got it wrong. No, he doesn't understand this about Saul. No, you don't understand. No, no, no. God goes, <laughs> he didn't even answer the question. I, you don't know? I've heard all these stories. Go. Yeah, but this guy, go. Yeah, but you only, this happened too. Go. Almost as though like Ananias just wants to top every story. Hey, no, go. 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 It's almost as though, have you, ever, have you ever done that? Like, you're debating with God, and he's not really joining the argument? Like, he's not joining the debate. He's just staying where he was when he started. And you're giving him all these reasons, and he's going, yeah, go. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm tired. Go. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, i got to get somewhere. Go. Yeah, yeah, but, I, but you know what? I, I talked to him like, no, go. Like, right now is the moment. Go. Go. I'm preparing. They, they, they're, they're ready to hear. 
Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to, gen- to Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites. I will show him much more, uh, mu- much, sorry, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. What I love about this, and again, we're just walking through this story of Ananias. What I love about this is that, um, that Saul's past didn't ruin his future. That everybody else wanted to talk about what Paul had done. And all God wanted to tell Ananias was what he was going to do. I think there's some people in here probably who need to hear that. Maybe you're looking at this from Saul's perspective and you're going, man, I didn't do this and I did this and I said this and I've been this way and I've, man, I've hurt this person. Or I've, and God's going, okay, but, but you're the person I'm going to do this through. I, I, don't, I don't disqualify you. you. You never qualified yourself in the first place, so how can you disqualify yourself? I qualify you, Period. I made you, I shaped you, I put breath in your lungs. I have a purpose for your life. You don't get to decide whether or not you're qualified or unqualified. You get to simply decide if you will believe me. And so he says, I I want you to go. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happened. I want you to go. So Ananias left and entered the house. And then he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, I love that. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some days. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. But all who heard him were astounded and said, isn't this the man who in Jerusalem was destroying those who called on this name? And then he came here for for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests. But Saul grew more capable and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving this one is the Messiah. Now the next verse says that they conspired to kill him. So it didn't all end well. They got him out of town. But it is interesting to me that sometimes you just saving one will save hundreds. That he grew in his, his strength of being able to do what he needed to do. He grew in his ability to share this good news. And it, and it doesn't even say that by the end of this he was proving that he was a new man. It was saying by the end of this he was proving that Jesus really was who Jesus said he was. That all of this is about, at the end of the day, the glory of God. All of this is about the name of Jesus. All of this is about the person of Jesus. If this is always about validating ourselves, because Saul could have made this a crusade of going, I'm a new man. Have you seen that I'm a new man? I'm a different person. You should give me some props for being a different person. No, no, no. This was all about who is Jesus. He started proclaiming the good news of Jesus, that regardless of my past, my future is still wide open. And I am a new man, yes, but it's because of Jesus. And sometimes we get so caught up in validating our own self and validating our past and our present and our future that we get caught up looking at other people and judging other people or getting trying to prove ourselves to other people instead of just simply going, Jesus is the one I see, the one I want to see, the one I want you to see, Jesus. That's the person I want you to know about. Get up and go. Get up and go from wherever you are. Get up and go. I want you to just think about, because this kind of, we lose Ananias pretty quickly. Like all of a sudden, it's Saul again. 
It's Saul, and then a few verses of Ananias, and then it's Saul again. And he's going from city to city to preach the good news, and people are getting saved, and churches are being set up, and it's incredible. Where did Ananias go? I just imagine, I don't know about you, I, I do this sometimes as a dad, and uh, when, when Kaysen does something I'm proud of, uh, he does it a lot, I'm proud of my son, but, but when he does something I'm really proud of, I'll just stand back, I'll, I'll begin to clap for him, I'll begin to, you know, shout for him, and way to go, and there's other moments where I'll just stand back and go, wow, that is so cool, that's incredible. I don't know about you, but I wonder where Ananias is in this moment. Like, where is Ananias standing as Saul begins to confound all these people who had had opinions of him? As Saul begins to impress all these people who thought he was a bad person? Where is Ananias? I just would imagine Ananias standing back behind the crowd going, what's up? Yeah, I did that. Right, just so proud of what had happened. So proud of what God had done through him because he was willing to reach out. I mean, I'll just, I'm just curious. What do you think his faith looked like in that moment? Not Saul's, but Ananias' faith. What do you think his faith looked like and felt like in that moment? When Saul is starting his journey of changing the world. What do you think? I just I want you to put yourself. You watched this whole story. It's a short story. Right? Ananias Shows up in a place he really didn't feel comfortable. Shows up in a place that was actually dangerous to him. Could have caused him a lot of pain. But he was a follower. Because that's what we are. We are followers of Jesus. And he shows up in that place willing to do whatever God asked him to do. To forgive, to bring life, to bring hope, to bring joy, to give grace, to, 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 to change assumptions, to, to get over preconceived ideas. To bring life into a situation that other people would have steered very clear of. And here's Saul on the other side of the door praying. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. But I'm blind and I can't see. I need somebody. And God gives him a picture of a man named Ananias, a follower, a disciple, a believer. And Ananias shows up at the door. He goes over two people who should not be in the same room together. And he lays his hands on him and says, God sent me to you so that you could go and do what he's called you to do. And immediately, all of a sudden, Paul gets a sense of what he is to do and his vision for his future. And, 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 and things come off his eyes. And all of a sudden, he can see what he hadn't been able to see. Completely shifted his life. And I can't imagine after that moment how cool it was. But then after that, to see Saul, the one who was persecuting those who preached Jesus, is now preaching Jesus. I just, I'm just curious what you think his faith looked like. Do you think his faith was a little bit stronger? Do you think his faith had grown just a little bit? Do you think he's standing over there going, wow, God, I really am going to follow you. I really can trust you. It isn't all going to work out perfectly. I'm not going to win everybody. I'm not going to do this perfectly. I'm not going to say it all great. But I'm going to show up wherever you tell me to show up, whenever you tell me to show up, because I'm led by you. You are God, and I will follow you wherever you want me to go. Holy Spirit, take me wherever. I, that's, I'd imagine Ananias is standing back going, my faith has grown stronger. Don't let anyone ever convince you that expressing your faith, sharing your faith, being proud of your faith, boasting in Jesus Christ is not part of growing and building and making your faith stronger. We have robbed a, a generation, really robbed the church of the joy of talking about Jesus with people. 
Because it is in sharing our faith and expressing our faith and expressing our trust in Jesus that all of a sudden we see some things we never would see otherwise. It is one thing to be friends, and I, I want you to be friends. And, and there's a moment where Paul, in Acts 17, goes into the marketplace, and they ask him to come back because they didn't believe yet. And sometimes that's what it's going to look like. Hey, could you come back? We'll talk again. Yeah, yeah. How many times are you willing to sit down and talk for someone to decide they follow Jesus? Yeah, Paul just does it. He, he would show up in the synagogue, show up in the marketplace. He just went wherever God told him to go, talked about Jesus. Let me just tell you, I want to encourage you as we talk about this Multiply series. We've got seven more days of 21 days of prayer, and hopefully you've written down. And if you haven't jumped in with us, jump in with us. You can still begin to write down some places. And we're talking about 21 days of prayer over places and people, places and people where we want to see Jesus multiplied. But just maybe, just maybe, part of what's going to grow your faith in this next season is giving your faith. Is sharing your faith. Even if it ain't perfect. Even if you don't have it all figured out. Even if someone comes back at you and he goes, yeah, but. You go, well, I trust him. You may not have it all together. You may not have it all perfectly oriented. You may not have some great discussion guide. You may not have a book to hand them. But you just, you just know, I'm going to do what God te- leads me to do. You have to be willing to be here. Here I am. You have to be willing to be there. Wherever God speaks, be there. Make time for him. Make a place for him. That you might be here so that when he says get up and go there, you can get up and go. So you can stand up and go, I'm going. Wherever you want me to go, I'm going to go. Because my faith, I've seen it happen before. I'm going to see it again. I've seen it happen in that life and that life and that life. I'm going to see it again. I'm going to continue to believe that my faith will grow as I continue to express my faith and go with my faith. So where is this street? Where where is the heart? Where, Where are are the places and the people that you have influence with? Where are those people that you can bring life into a situation, where you can bring hope into a situation, where you can bring joy, where you can bring Jesus into a place? Where is that for you? I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. There's a very good chance that the moment you begin to talk about Jesus in that place, whether it's received perfectly or not, whether people lift you up on their shoulder and go, thank God you were here, or whether they go, are you serious? Can you, can you? Shut it down. In those moments when you're willing to share what God has given, watch as your faith begins to shift and begins to grow. I want to pray with you and, and just pray over what God's going to do in you and me as we begin to walk out of wherever we are, to walk out of our home, to get up and go. And watch as God begins to do a work in people, in and through The lives of people just down the street. Just down the street. Why don't you bow your heads? God, I thank you so much.